Welcome to the podcast Real Estate Preneurs where in each episode we unravel the journey of global players from the world of real estate and entrepreneurship. If you are listening to us on Spotify please hit the bell icon to never miss a new episode for Apple podcast users do subscribe to our podcast. Real Estate Preneurs with Dharamveer about one production. Cast Real Estate Preneurs with Amit Puri and I am your host Dharamveer. I work with Coldwell Banker as head of commercial sales and leasing. And Amit is a very experienced retail professional and has worked in India and now in the Middle East for major brands like Cushman, Wickfield, MacArthur, Colliers, and currently he is with the Mac Group as Vice President, Sales and Leasing. Welcome to the show, Amit. Thank you, Dharam. Thank you very much for inviting me. So, Amit, you are an MBA from a very prestigious institute, uh, Symbiosis Institute in India. That's correct. Yeah, one of the most prestigious Indian institutes. You're right. Yeah. And to let the listeners know, Amit uh, was ranked number one in All India Entrance Exam, due to which his first year fees was waived off as a scholarship from the from the university, which is a which is a big thing. Congratulations, Amit. Thank you very and, much. And uh, Amit is also a bachelor's in architectural design, and he was among the top five students in all the five years of this bachelor degree. That's again an achievement, Amit. Yeah, Amit, I mean, can you? You got to be in the top ten percent of the class, you know. So there are fifty children, fifty students, and uh, I was always in the top five. That's that's great. That's great. Amit, can you just introduce yourself and can you highlight one point which you think I have missed in introducing you, which maybe you call it as a wow factor among your career or your personal life, which you may want to highlight? Yeah, I think it's important to know that I have led a life of focus. Okay, right from doing my architecture, which I wanted to do. i have remained in real estate this is a sector that i love and then within real estate i have uh, gone into various uh, streams like residential retail commercial hospitality education but within real estate you know the realm has been uh, pretty tremendous so every asset class has taught me something new and uh, i'm getting a great opportunity today to work in the mac and with the owners to actually uh, realize uh, the experience i have gained over the years last 25 years hopefully we'll have some relevant questions to to share whatever knowledge i have gained that's great amit amit we live in dubai and you know dubai is a great place to invest people from across the world they they come to dubai to spend their life to live to work and dubai absorbs everyone it's 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 a it's a you know infrastructure wise or you know acceptance wise dubai is a great place uae as a country and you know when we talk about retail the first basic question which comes to my mind is you know there are various kind of retails which are you know you can bifurcate them or you can highlight them one is malls one is boutique malls community malls street retails that's what we have seen in dubai can you can you give us you know highlight what are all these things what is the difference between them and you know how are they placed in the market sure sure i think very interesting uh First and foremost, let me start by saying that we are as as Dubai as UAE. I think the leadership here is incredible, and I really respect them for their progressive thinking. And I think they have done a great job, uh, you know, building the the retail portfolio here overall. 
and you know we we are comparable to any mall in the world. We'd be amongst the top three uh, in certain malls, uh, for example, in Mall of the Emirates or the Buy Mall. These are uh, our assets that we can flaunt globally. So if you talk about you know uh, the bifurcation of malls, you're going to know that globally. Uh, since I work with many companies which were you know outside of India, which were Canadian firms like Ivano Cambridge. South African firms like Old Mutual, these are big investment funds who, who invest into shopping malls. Great. And I got the opportunity to work with them and I learned that basically we have about six or seven different kinds of malls. Okay. And okay. Uh, if you if you know them, uh, you try and know them primarily by the size. You know that the sizes are very different uh, because there are super regional malls which are in excess of uh, 1.2 million uh, square feet. Okay. okay, and and uh, then there are regional malls which are in excess of. So, so, so I'm sorry to interrupt. It's it, it, Dubai. Which 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 mall you will call it a super regional mall? You know, can you give an example? Dubai mall. Dubai mall is a super regional mall. Okay. And okay. even mall of the Emirates because that's 2.2 million and Dubai malls 4.7 million. So these are all super so, regional malls. You know where. So you know people say Dubai mall is the biggest largest mall in the world. Is it true? It is. Yes, it is. It is. For now, it is. Yes. And according to you, how many retails uh, operate there? Just a rough average. I mean, it should be over two thousand retailers. You know, two thousand retailers. Oh, that, that, that's a big number. That's yeah, and it's, it's increasing. Is increasing every year. I see. It is because they have now got an extension. You know, a year ago, I think during the COVID, they also opened the extension, which is the Zabil side. And they got, you know, their food court operators, there are kiosks, there are different kinds of businesses there, yes. which, uh, <clears throat> you know, co-survive and coexist so beautifully. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So then yeah. there are regional malls, you know, yeah. which uh, are about 600 to 800,000 square feet. Okay. Uh, there are community malls, which is what we basically specialize in. And I think the MAC there wants to be the strongest community mall player okay. in the region. That's the okay. whole goal here, because I think uh, there are a few very very big uh, regional and super regional players and uh, you know we we uh, specialize in building communities and within those communities to build perfect malls which go between 100,000 to 200,000 square feet okay. okay and yeah and then there are there are you know there are outlet malls and there are a different class on its own where, where they could be of any square footage depending on the catchment area they have but then uh, you know these outlet malls are the ones where the retailers can't sell their stock as much, the fresh stock, and then they send it to outlets and we get it globally, you know, at very discounted prices. So Dubai... So in, in Dubai, if we say, if I, if I know Dubai well, there are two outlet malls which are operating. One is the Dubai outlet mall in, in the in the Alain Road and the other, the other one is in the Dubai Parks and Resorts. Correct. These two are the big ones, yes. yes. These two are the big ones. So these the, two are, are successful malls to an extent because uh, retailers are happy, you know, uh, by not paying as much rent uh, and also selling their their leftover stock quickly so i think outlet malls are uh, you know these are globally a very successful phenomena uh, as long as we we know you know where the location is as well and who who will be catered to in terms of the catchment that's great so you know in dubai we have seen you know the retailers retail the, the, the developer who develops, like, for example, MR or Damak, they develop their communities. Or nowadays, there is a trend. The developer, they don't sell their retail. They make it as their rental asset 
or you know income generating asset so i want to understand what is their benefit as a developer and what is the user benefit in doing so so i think it's very simple uh, we just make rocket science out of it but uh, we got to understand that today uh, the long term vision is what helps them all because it starts with the retailer that you have in any mall and mm. that shop that the, the developer builds in any mall we mm. can sell those shops as piecemeal to a single retailer or yes. we can make a, a build a huge beautiful ecosystem of the okay. similar retailers who who are complementary to each other and we build yes. a beautiful mix that ensures that this is a long term success in terms of revenues in terms of growth yes. so when you have that growth number one you are managing that project and you are the owner of the whole common area as well as the individual shops and therefore you have control over the project so that's number one for a developer okay and what the investor sees is only this when the investor comes in if you want to exit then you always talk about people who have built these assets and who hold them and there's mm-hmm. a strong revenue generation which is consistent for 10 years and they'd come and buy you for a value that is for 10 years but they'll give you that value today the npv will be for today so do you so think they- you know in terms of uh, either develop either the developer sells that retail when it is not occupied and when they rent it do you think uh, you know renting for a long term perspective gives developer a edge over the revenue huge huge advantage and huge edge okay uh, yeah absolutely and i know that you know with my own example from the mac because today we sell uh, you know shops in the same community the mac hills one you know we sell it at an x value and when it becomes a part of the mall and it's sold as a portfolio of leased assets it is at least 2 2.5x of that x so it is oh. that kind of difference but people don't realize it because we are you know in normally in the era of quick exits and you know we want quick bucks so i think only the long term players will stay ultimately you know in the long term game if they are serious about retail and if they want to lease these assets well and then like we are doing we're not selling our malls so we are selling our street retail but that's okay that's the call that uh, you know that uh, particular company or private developer takes but in terms of malls we don't want to sell uh, you know individually at this stage we may have to first build a portfolio of malls and then look at exits at much higher uh, denomination much higher denomination and exits you know uh, amit there are a lot of areas in dubai freehold areas like you can say uh, jumeirah lake towers or dubai marina or business bay where you know a lot of individual investors have invested in retail like developers sold their uh, retails to them so uh, what what is your one one suggestion to to the individual investor to pick how to pick up a tenant you know and you know there are times it's 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 said in the market that retail retails give the maximum return on investment or the yield the rental yield and but in 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 many of the cases because especially me working in in the broker field in the real estate field we tend to see the owners they 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 give such a high rental uh, amount to the tenant that we see a lot of churn around lot of turning around in the tenants because the retailers don't able are not able to sustain that kind of a rent sometime in the market so what is your one suggestion to the to the you know people the investors to take care of the tenant especially the retailers i think that investors who are investing in retail need to start thinking sales because okay. sales sales of a retailer 
because sales is where the rents come out of and yes. they will be sustainable only if the sales are complementary or the sales are feasible so yes. therefore investor when he comes in he should know which is the retailer i have what is the kind of turnover he or she is doing and what are the kind of margins they make so that they mm. can easily afford my rent or not and then they should have a upside to it they should have mm. a turnover to say i'm not i'm not just uh, you know uh, uh, taking your rent i'm also if you perform well i got to make more money so mm. it's important that the investor today who comes also doesn't think of only the current yield because rentals will go up and down quickly or retailers will shut their shop if they're not performing and leave and then you'll be stranded for for no income at all yeah so it's important for the guys the investors to start thinking sales that's my one bit of advice if you invest in a retail asset because retail is all about sales unlike residential okay. so you mean to say the owners need to become more like a partner to the tenants rather than just exactly. behave like a landlord exactly you stole my words and that's why yeah. you start of portal bankers <laughs> thank you amit amit you know we briefly got a chance to work, to work on a on a project which is called the onyx tower yes you know which is which is there in the greens i worked with you in that project for a bit you know so where do you you know as we define retails in you know regional malls super regional malls community street retail where would you put the in which category will you put a, a portfolio like the onyx retail portfolio onyx retail portfolio is beautiful mixed use asset okay okay it is not a mall it yes. can consider that it's it's a kind of a community mall because there are residential units there and you know that there are uh, you know there are offices there so we, we got to understand that you know this is a mixed use asset which is what my my passion is because i think all these assets should actually complement each other you know yes. in terms of offices or retail or residential and therefore uh, onyx is a very successful example of how a community retail should be built around the other asset classes which is where i started my conversation with that i like to look at retail which is a part of many other major asset classes it shouldn't survive or it shouldn't be done by itself it has to support and it should get that support from other asset classes so onyx That's is good. one huge story that we had and we built it together i think out of the 28 odd units we were able to lease 23 or 24 units 90% yes. odd was leased out in the 6 months time and this yes, is back, yes, back yes. in 2016 with a proper mix of retailers which are very beneficial yeah we we saw a good mix of retails coming in from restaurants to coffee shop to other services you know and you know it 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 it, it really there. went on very well clinic is still running successfully exactly yeah, i know i know the bank there you know there there's a uh, almaya there uh, we have a money exchange so we have yes. like the right kind of uh, then there's desco for the offices so yes. we got a very good mix which we created together with a nice uh, mix of fnb uh, yes. you know that that always keeps a, a project alive and successful you know this conversation uh, amit brings me to the very important question you know which is which is uh, very relevant to all the retail professional that what is a retail mix and how does it differ from project to project big or small if we give you know if 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 i give you today's example like you are doing a, a boutique mall or a community mall you said which you are doing it in damak hills community so how does it differ to project to project and how do you do it like retail so mix? i think it's a very very uh, important question the mix is the mix and it's very 
unique to every project. The mix cannot be, you know, copy, cut and paste. Hmm. It has to be relevant to the community it is in or to the catchment that is in the primary or the secondary or the tertiary areas. So okay. for super regional and regional malls, you will say who are the people or the consumers who are going to come here and buy tomorrow. Hmm. There'll be every kind of tourists, like, you know, Dubai, how many tourists Dubai had, right? Yes. Like 14 million annual investors. Yes. So, you know, 14 million people coming from outside and then their own people who live around it, who come there every day or every second, third day basis, saying that this is my own mall. Those yes. are the guys who help you generate that sales. Yes. So every, uh, every mall, depending on its size, depending on where it's located, and depending on the actual preference of the catchment, you know, that mall will change its mix. So there's okay. no one size fits all. And I can't give you, you know, that this is this is the kind of uh, mix it should have. This particular mall should have. Ventura, I can tell you because I gave birth to that mix. Okay. So I can, I can tell you because, uh, you know, it, it's something that needs to do with the community around. And we actually had surveys. When I came in, I surveyed the community. I sent surveys saying that you will win Radisson vouchers. If you guys tell us, you know, what kind of F&B do you like? Which supermarket mm -hmm. would you be interested in from buying? So we just mm -hmm. gave them options and we, we did a survey of what... So, so you took a help of the people living in the community. Absolutely. Took their ideas. Absolutely. Because Damak Hills was already an established community. Exactly. You know, maybe around 30,000, 40,000. I don't know how many people... No, no, people. that's Damak Hills 2. This is about uh, 12,000, 12,000 people in Damak Hills 1. Damak Hills 1. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. The okay. Michael's two is, is uh, three times of this. It just grown like crazy, and you yes. know we're very happy about it. But there was the mall there already, and I could just add a few more interesting elements to the mall with Carrefour, uh, mm. and we added Starbucks there right towards the end. The last year they opened. We added brands for less there. We ensured that you know the the brands there were missing. Like there was no value fashion there, but that's a community which is uh, quite value driven. And then, okay. you know, everyone needs a nice Starbucks. So you add a few important global brands so that, you know, you, it becomes a kind of a place where people like to hang out. That's what a mall is. So yes. it's kind of your community that, that really defines and that uh, dictates what you should be bringing in rather than the other way around. That this is what you should you get. You guys take it or leave it. Then they'll never come back. If you do your own uh -huh. whims and fancies, they'll never come back. Okay. So Amit, you have a big task. Yeah. In, in uh, as in your current profile with Damak and as Damak is coming up with a lot of new uh, communities, so you have a big task ahead. Yes, I know, but I, I enjoy my challenges and I think it's beautiful as an architect to be able to then see these dreams come true in a way where these shops become operational one day, they start making money, all the people in the community come there, they, you know, uh, they gather around and it becomes a nice social ecosystem. So I love it, you know, I just love... Uh, Therefore, I love the management of the mall because that can grow the value of the asset, make mm, everyone true. more wealthy, and also keep the customers happy. That's I'm sure. I'm sure the next next uh, uh, project which Damak will launch in Damak Hills, they will add in their brochure that the mall is operational now. So maybe they can get more value out of the project. Absolutely, hundred percent. I think we will do one uh, very close to Damak Hills one. We'll we'll do one in Lagoons. That's the plan right now. Very nice. Very good. Very good. So, uh, Amit, you know, uh, a day can be challenging, tiring, you know, negotiations, you sit with clients. So what is your stress buster at the end of the day? My stress buster is actually golf on the weekends. End of the oh, day, my stress buster is my uh, my daughter at the end of the day or a weekday, but weekend is all golf. 
Uh, you are a golfer. Yes, yes. Fortunately, very, I have been. Very uh, interesting. Very interesting. Very interesting. So, Amit, you know, we come across a very important term whenever we talk to different retailers: anchor tenant. So, you know, I I understand that they are big tenants who who help in getting other clients to other retailers and the clients to the mall. But you know, is there any space defined that you know anchor tenant minimum should have this kind of space? You know, how do you define anchor tenant? So, so anchor tenant. is normally a tenant that anchors your project okay yes. like a anchor a ship so you anchor a project and yes. therefore the anchor tenant so for a community mall an anchor tenant is you know the supermarket like we have a spidis which is 28500 square feet for mm-hmm. a mall which is about 110000 square feet there are 33% almost 33 35% of the space yes so that's an anchor tenant you know the the gym becomes an anchor tenant because it's over 10000 12000 15000 square feet the mm. clinic becomes an anchor tenant because it's another 8 10000 square feet but these are like you got to be at least a significant uh, you know portion or you got to be a big group uh, which has a lot of other retailers who become anchors like i only have starbucks from alshaya but starbucks is an anchor tenant even though they occupy only 1200 1300 square feet okay. but they they become anchors only because of the fact that they are a part of the biggest one of the biggest groups here if not the biggest so you okay. you you make them anchors and you give them those terms because you want them in the longer term vision that you have okay so i mean what is the most important point for a owner and on the other side for the retailer they should insist while negotiating or finalizing the retail okay because you know owner wants to bring in a good and a stable tenant and on the other end they want a stable rental income as well okay and return on investment and on the other hand tenant wants the best deal best location best price rent free periods they also want everything so how do you balance that balance that by hustling <laughs> seriously you know i won't tell it to you because i have spent half of my career in brokerage firms so yeah. broker is as important in the deal you can become the broker yourself but you got to hustle and make a deal happen and try to get those expectations real on both sides okay. as a retailer as a developer i work for certain owners i represent them but there's a market out there so i ensure that these rents are sustainable and we just don't ask anything we really want to i'd rather do a better or higher sales turnover percentage than a rent which is sustainable for the retailer we i'd rather try and do shorter leases today a retailer needs uh, perhaps uh, long longer leases because they are more bullish but i would want to do shorter leases because i believe that uh, you know i should be able to have a choice in the next couple of years to say this is doing well or not doing well and and uh, be able to change my mix if for example both sides aren't happy with each other but you know okay. those are the market driven uh, you know parameters which we somehow come across from from market to market there are, there was a time here during covid when when there was uh, mayhem and all over the world actually so that the terms are very different for a retailer than what they are today and therefore the markets change quickly and we got to realize those and then we try and balance them out between the two sides okay and brokers okay. help to help us do that you know big strong brokers like colwell bankers or jll or colliers or kushmu bank field cbre or the strong local brokers here you know like residential you have pretty strong brokers as well here so uh, these guys uh, ensure that the, the both the sides are kept happy but uh, if you're a developer you try and understand the retail sales 
and you try and understand the long-term vision and take help the broker wherever it's required. Otherwise, do the deals yourself. Amit, a few days back, you know, there was a post which was going around on LinkedIn. Yeah. And, you know, uh, the chief property officer, if I'm not wrong, for Spinney's thanked you publicly <laughs> for closing, you know, a transaction, a deal which was pending for long, you know, and, and you know, this kind of appreciation really boosts the morale. But on the other hand, you know, sometimes this happens, you're working on a long deal for a long time, but sometimes it happens, it, it doesn't go through at the end. So you get to know both the scenarios, appreciation one, when you work hard on a particular deal and it goes on, and especially sometimes when you when you work hard and it doesn't happen. So how does both the scenarios affect you? That's absolutely awesome. You know, it's, it's such a beautiful question you're asking right now because... Uh, we do see uh, ups and downs and, you know, sometimes you get too emotional about things. But uh, that emotion to keep it in control and check is important because uh, business and emotion are intertwined. But we got to be sure that this is where emotion is taking over. So I, I think uh, you feel happy with comments that, that Andre made for me. And Andre is a great guy. He himself is a very emotional guy, but he's a very business oriented guy as well. So when he says that, you know, patience is is a virtue, I completely agree with him because, uh, you know, it's in business as well as it's, you know, private life and you got to be patient about things and uh, you, you get some good, uh, you know, accolades from from stalwarts like him. It makes you feel good, but also this, in the same, uh, you know, run or same league of things, sometimes you have to let people go and you don't even want that, but it is perhaps destined that way and uh, you are not too happy about it, but you just go with the flow and say, okay, fine, we will work some other day, but not for this project. So you got to just move on very quickly is what I've learned here. You know, because uh, time is value and time is money. So people realize that, that, you know, you're not here to waste anyone's time. We're here to to create that value and, and in the process, make some memories. And I think that's important that's to realize that, you know, and that's then we true. will work again. Yeah. That's true. So, Amit, how, how is the current retail scenario in Dubai or UAE as a whole, you know, especially after this big havoc of one year of this Russia-Ukraine conflict? Do you see a up or a down, you know, how do you see the current retail scenario, especially in Dubai? How is it going? Does the conflict has helped or, you know, market is to grow here or how does it has affect totally? Well, if I tell you, uh, frankly, about retail, I can tell you, residential, we all know, and you know more than me, actually. But yes. uh, sales, I'm talking about sales here. And I will talk about leasing because I know leasing markets picked up tremendously in both resi and, and retail. And, uh, you know, in comparison to the other markets in the GCC, uh, Dubai by far has been the highest retail GLA per capita. And, okay. we know, you know, whatever space comes here, it's able to get absorbed and, you know, it can make can money. Can you explain this GLA for a common person, you know, for the GLA listener? is a gross leasable area. Per okay. capita means how many people is it serving to? So okay. there, there is, you know, we, we have a huge amount of supply of assets for the people that are here, but they're all used to spending times in malls. And, you know, they're all, they're all actually very fond of retail. So these okay. are tourists or people who live here. And therefore, I think uh, the, the the highest retail GLA per capita is, is in Dubai, one of the highest in the world. So one of the highest in the world, even the European, more than the European and the American markets. Absolutely, it's, it's amongst the top three. So, so can can we say Dubai is one of the leaders in the retail industry in the world? It is. 
It is. It is. Wow, great to know. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, we come to a very important question after this. You know, there was a scenario, I'll tell you, I was working with a retail chain which were opening their shops in UAE for the first time. And we approached some, uh, we approached some uh, mall, operational malls to open their shop. And everyone was asking revenue sharing, revenue sharing, revenue sharing. So what is this revenue sharing and how it is done? And why do malls always insist on revenue sharing? So uh, it's a it's a good question, but you know you're repeating yourself because I talked about it earlier. I'll still do that again for the common benefit of everyone whoever's listening. But uh, sales turnover is what defines revenue sharing. So okay. every category of business, you know, be it hypermarkets, be it uh, you know electronic stores, be it a fashion retailer, be it watches, jewelry, any every category has its own margins and can do X amount of sale. F and B is different. So you know how much dirhams, how many dirhams can you originate or or uh, grow as revenue in a day or collect as revenue. So out of that, you you say that my rent is a portion of the, a portion of that based on my own margins. So for example, the margins for a hypermarket today like a Carrefour or you know a Gion or uh, even Spinnies for that matter, it it ranges between two and a half to four and a half percent. So that's the okay. margin, that, and that's the kind of rent they can basically uh, shell out in terms of the revenue share. They will never mm. pay more revenue share than that because the margins are low. The margins of a electronics retailer are even further low because electronics already sells us at you know kind of uh, uh, cost price and with all the discounts. So their margins are two two and a half percent, and they can then pay us about one and a half percent to two percent maximum. They can pay us as as revenue share, but every category uh, F and B for on the other hand. Uh, will have a 15% uh, kind of a margin, 15 to 20%, and they can they can shell out 10, 12% easily as a revenue share. So depending on again, if you have a licensed F&B or non-licensed, but depends on the the revenues and the sales that you do. From there, okay. the revenue share comes in based on the margins you are making in that okay. business. So okay. that's how every category gets different, and you gotta track the sales of each category to know this is what they are doing. In terms of sales, this is what they can shell out to me as my rents or revenue share. So, do they pay rent as well as revenue sharing both, or sometimes they only pay revenue sharing? So that depends on the structure of the deal, but uh, most likely, I think the the right thing is to do a, a, a minimum base rent or a turnover, whichever is higher. So we okay. are also secured on the side of the banks because banks don't really know these sales numbers and revenue shares, so they like to see some hardcore rents. On rents the coming in. agreement, yeah. So they need those rents to be clear. You know, Amit, the world has been in turbulence from especially two to three years because of the COVID. How was COVID times for for you as as working in the retail industry, and how did you cope up with your team? So you know, it's a yeah, it's a very pertinent question again. Uh, but I think uh, you've got to know in terms of some numbers. You know, it's important that. We've grown a lot as Dubai today. We've grown 97% year on year, you know, from the seven and a half million tourists that we had in 2021 to about 14 and a half now that we had in 2022. So okay. that's that's data published by Dubai Department of Economy and Tourism, right? Okay. And they, they have said that it's been over 200%, you know, where the growth has happened in terms of visitors coming in here. And this is during the pre, pre you know, COVID and during the pre-COVID, before the COVID actually started, 21. And I actually joined the MAC uh, in early 21. 
So, uh, you know, it was just kind of at its peak. But uh, we, we ensured that we we give uh, rent discussion, rent discounts to our retailers, like every other seasoned developer. We ensured because they were going through a bad patch and there was, wasn't enough sales happening. So we gave, I think, three to four months of grace periods to people to say, OK, let us just stabilize, let things get a little bit more uh, solid back, you know, and then you can you can come back to the rents or, or sales revenue shares, whichever is higher. But mm. we did, uh, you know, we did become very, very sensitive uh, to the fact that nobody saw it coming. And there would oh. be times like that, you know, God, God forbid, and we got to be prepared for it. We, we much better prepare, prepare today. We weren't prepared at that time. We didn't know what to do. We just started. I yes, know, absolutely. No one was prepared. No one was prepared at that time. Uh, you know, firing people and, you know, cutting costs and not giving some salaries for some time. But we all did whatever best we could to survive. And therefore, I think for the Mac as such, we we were in losses in 2020, 2021. I'm sure you know that. And yes. our, our uh, balance sheet, PNL will tell you that. But only in, in 2022, we came back to profits and we did about 400, 583 million of profits. That's great. So, you know, we, we guys from a negative, uh, you know, uh, four, 500 million, if you go back to a positive, then that means you've done well and the markets accepted your product and your services and your, uh, you know, thought process uh, well, which is what's happened here. And yeah. uh, more power to, to everyone, you know, to, to be able to revive their businesses. We're still not out of it. Well, let me tell you, frankly. It's still not out, but I think Dubai has recovered well, very well. The, yeah, the, the leadership, how they, you know, put in the measures to control COVID was commendable. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. definitely hats off to the leadership here. I mean, it's very yes. progressive. And yes. I really admire them because they take a lot of steps very, very fast. Very and fast. Waste time and it's all executed on the ground. Therefore, I said vision when I started. Uh, I said this, uh, you know, maybe in my head, but vision is important, but execution is key. And therefore, you know, you can have visionaries uh, anywhere in the world. You know, vision's not that that uh, big for me. But vision should come with good decision making and immediate action. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That's where it comes down to. Yeah. Amit, with your 20 years of experience in retail and at various leadership roles, how do you define the vision board for your department and your team? So our vision is simple, uh, you know, our vision and my vision throughout uh, the last 25 years since I've been working has been very clear how to create that value. And, you know, that vision has come into everything because if I see that we have unsold units, like I'm giving you a small example, during the World Cup, we had unsold units, about 30 of them, uh, you know, and about yeah, 27, 28 of them. And, uh, you know, I said this is in Qatar, in Doha, and we had a World Cup going on. Okay. And I said, uh, you know, what can we do about these units? Because I wanted to lease them, short-term leasing. And, and it's not very difficult in Doha because, you know, you uh, you can evict the client much easier than than in Dubai. Dubai, you know, you take 12 months to serve a notarized notice. But in Doha, it's just one month uh, notice. And, you know, you can be out the second month because the government uh, is okay with it and they support that way. Okay. So I just told my owners that, you know, why don't I get at least half of these units to lease them and make some money? Yeah. So you'll be surprised that, you know, that was a kind of a, a value creation and that was a kind of a process in the head where I had to go fight for it internally because we are more sales oriented than leasing. But when okay. you see an opportunity, you should be able to pounce on it and make some money out of it. And therefore, we were able to generate uh, over a million uh, you know, Qatar Adial in rents with the, only about 10 units that we got. 
But I'm just saying, in those two months, we could make a million dirhams. Uh, so you you, you, you took advantage of the world event, the World Cup, which was happening. So I have to. So that's the that's the creativity I'm talking about. When you create, you know, uh, value, then you got to be creative as well because you got to think outside the box. Absolutely. I mean, you know, when I was doing deeds for Kushman Bakefield in India, I got the award for the most creative person, you know, in the team. And there was a, it was for a deal making. So I'm sure you know when you close deals, you got to be creative. You got to think Absolutely. about something. There's an old dilapidated mall. Yeah, I'm. I mean, I have close deal with you, so I know how you operate. Your your quick in response. Your team is very, you know, responsive in terms of sending documentation or whatever you ask them. So everything happens very fast with you. Team goes with us. Yeah, the idea is that you know you have to align with the team, and they have to see through the vision that you have, and then they help you execute it. It's not only me who do it. You know, it's always the team. And if they're not back to you in time, I'm the first one uh, behind the case, and I'm saying, what's happening here, guys? Why aren't we professional enough? So True. when we, we tell you that there is a decision which is taking time, it's kind of beyond our hands, and therefore that takes time sometimes. You know, it takes True. extra time. But otherwise, it's important to get back on the decisions quickly, and then keep your word, keep your commitment. You know, and to to yourself, uh, to your team, and to uh, the market around. You know, that's most important. True, true, Amit. I hope we will we will do some business together soon again, and keep 100%. on doing it. Keep yes. on doing it. And thank you very much, Amit. It was a pleasure talking to you. I hope uh, you know the listeners will have a clear understanding how the retail markets market works in Dubai and the region as a whole, and hope they will get benefit uh, uh, by this uh, talk which we did just now. Hundred percent, and pleasures likewise, Dharam. I'm more than happy, you know, to share my experiences because we learn every day and we should share every day. That's how we grow our knowledge, and you know, that's how we stay real. So thank, thank you for your time you. again, okay? Thank you. Thank you, Amit. Thank you very much. Thank, thank you. you. Have a good day. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Real Estate Preneurs. Connect with me on my LinkedIn profile, Dharamveer Singh Chauhan, MRICS, or refer to the description box.